podcast. My name is Spencer Plamondo. I'm Tyler O'Connor. I'm Chris Johnston Galvez. And we got a good show for you guys today, just like every uh, every episode. Go figure. Um, we're going to be talking uh, Habs and Leafs, of course. We're going to be talking about some news around the league. Uh, Babcock is on uh, a bit of a redemption tour right now, so we're going to address that. Uh, Torts mm, wanting Line A to be a power forward, which I'm sure we've all heard uh, before in the past about Line A. Uh, the Habs are turning it around a little bit here. They've got some better performance under Ducharme. The Leafs have been struggling a little bit after having a very hot streak, you know, as is bound to happen. Uh, and yeah, and we got the trade deadline coming up, so we got some good topics for you guys. Um, let's kick this thing off. Let's let's start with Booth Babcock. In my eyes, he's a good coach. Obviously, that doesn't make the difference make up the difference between the shit that he's pulled on his players in the past. I'm going to read a quote here that was from, uh, he was on um, Cam Jansen's podcast there. Am I happy with the job I have done and how I've treated people over my career? Yes. Emphatic yes. Have I crossed the line? Have I ever crossed the line? Have I ever said something in the wrong tone? Have I approached something wrong? Yeah. But was my intent ever to hurt anybody? Intention is a huge part of decision making. No. 100% unequivocally no so I don't worry about those things and I hear that and it's like great in your eyes the intent wasn't ever to hurt anyone at some Mm -hmm. point over your like 20 year NHL career how do you not cue into the fact that your behavior despite the fact that you're not intending it to hurt people is causing severe harm to some of them and causing problems for others I anyway I think this is a little ridiculous that he's having this fucking Media tour, um, what do you guys think about uh, what's going on with Babcock? So my biggest thing with the the Babcock redemption tour is that he keeps claiming that he got fired because of the stories that have come out, the Mitch Marner story, the Johan Franzen story, which are terrible stories. But don't let it fool you that he got fired because he was actively a bad coach in the last, three, the last two years that he was in Toronto. They just look at, you know, fine you could talk about whatever you want with the way the, the team played but he got out coached in those series against Bruce Cassidy both times and it was super noticeable in the second series when he played Austin Matthews like 16 and a half minutes in a game seven where you were down a goal mm. and instead had Patty Marlowe at fucking 800 years old playing 22 or 23 minutes that's a coaching decision that's not because you were a dick in the locker room that's just a bad coaching decision yeah. that's why you got canned the stuff I mean, came out afterwards that's a fair point so it, it it's it's a uh, it doesn't make any sense that 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 we keep saying oh he got fired for this reason no he got fired because he fucking sucked <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's all I mean it's a fair point right like you look at uh, like the, just the way the Leafs were trending over the it, it progressively got a little bit worse and worse and it, you could tell that he was set in his ways and if you're not willing to to see beyond that I mean how are things going to change they're not like I don't think I, I have to completely agree with you there I don't think it's uh, strictly personality related I think absolutely performance has to factor factor into it and he's also he had a lot of success early in his career a little bit less so lately right like so it's before and after Nick Lidstrom oh let's hear it. before let's and hear after it. Nick Lidstrom and 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 to say like oh he won this in Anaheim he won with the was it the last player to ever win a con Smythe that wasn't on the winning team because John Sebastian Jaguar dragged them to the cup final. Did he yeah. ever. Then he won with Nick Lidstrom <clears throat> and he won with team Canada where, let me tell you, I could have coached that team to a gold medal. Like it's nice to have a history, but when it came down to playing without star players and, and it's actually worse because at least had star players, but he couldn't adapt. Yeah. yeah. He, he got fired because he wasn't good at it. 
There's no other reason there. I mean, there there are other contributing reasons for sure. I'm sure. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like we don't think the Leafs were taking that locker room stuff seriously either. Um, well, and, it's sorry. Just yeah, go ahead. Just to, just to jump in real quick. Um, I I can't remember what interview he was doing or who he was with because I'm gonna be quite honest. I'm not paying much attention. I like I this Babcock stuff is fuck. I just can't. Like, I don't see the value in, in this whole redemption tour thing going on. So I'm not really paying two cents to it. Um, but I did catch a quick snippet and I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically saying how much it hurts to find out that he hurt people he cared about. And I was like, he has a, he has a degree in sports psychology yeah, and like, he was what? saying he doesn't understand mental health, yeah. but he, like, you, the there's no this? way. I was like, what? The it, f- it, yeah. And Bro, the like, story is like, like the, the story about Mitch Marner, like to say that the Leafs cared about it, like I'm sure they did, but like, that happened in yeah. Mitch Marner's rookie yeah. season. It wasn't an immediate reaction. Yeah. Like, like Mike Babcock was fired four years later. Like, yeah. it's not. And, that, not, and that, I don't think they're entirely related anymore at that point. Like, it, no. And they only, the stories only came out afterwards because, as we know with hockey journalists, if you hear something bad, you can't say it till the guy is gone, mm-hmm. or else, you know, you might lose your privilege of going in a locker room. Well, and that's the if thing. that's your fucking job or not. Yeah, that's right. the thing, like, it, right? Yeah, I just think that it was it's something that especially the Leafs as an organization, I think they take this stuff a little bit more seriously than maybe some other organizations. So I, I would imagine that it there was a you know, the it's it's the whole like bullshit quota, right? Like if you're as soon as your bullshit starts superseding what you can provide, like what, what mm-hmm. benefits you can provide to the team, you're out the door, right? Like it's yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's just with this whole the whole like Chris said like he he he's playing this whole like I had no idea what I was yeah, doing like I, I like was hurting fox. people and then like with the quote that I heard of him being up him being hurt that he found out that he hurt people like like Chris said like he studied this like you're telling yeah. me he didn't know the kind of like you're telling me all those all those petty scratches that you heard like all those times he he scratched players out of pettiness like he wasn't aware of what he of what he was doing beyond like that, I forget. Like... Go ahead, the guy sorry. who he scratched before his 1,000th game or whatever, like Mike Madano, Mike Madano, you weren't aware of 1,500. Sorry, you weren't aware of that. Like, don't now that he's caught, he's all, oh, like I didn't know. How yeah, was I supposed easy. to know? No, you knew he, damn well. He what actively you were doing. said the words, "I didn't know what mental health was." Yeah, which is hilarious. Again, given because his he history. studied it. Yes, Ed McGill, I believe too. Yeah. Um, did you guys hear Tony Martinson? Is a former player or well, played under him? I shouldn't say a player of his uh, mm-hmm. in Anaheim. Have you guys heard what he came forward with? I've heard snippets of it. I'm going to read a a brief quote from it. One time during warm-up before a game against Colorado, and at that time, one warm-up player did not get to play in the game. He pointed at me and said, you're not playing. So I start to change, but then he asks, what the hell are you doing? I just replied that he told me I wasn't playing. Then I had to go and change in the shower instead. This was was the kind of things he was doing. I felt awful, like I didn't matter as a player or as a person. And that wasn't even too bad, because by then I'd already been there for a while and I knew what it was like. Yeah, I I read read that. Yeah, Yeah. I do remember. One of the most telling quotes, like, um, obviously you guys don't follow the Leafs like I do, and that's fine. But this season was the first, like, camp under um, Keefe, and and Keefe was doing a whole bunch of defensive work. And, like, last season was just, like, the – it just seemed like they were having fun the whole time they were with him. And now it looks mm-hmm. a little more serious. Obviously yeah. they were serious last year, but like a little more serious this year. And and someone asked him about it and he said, yeah, well, when I got there last year, everyone was so sad and demoralized that I, I felt the only thing I had to do was lift up the spirits of the room. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like 
you heard the stories last year when he came in and like you you saw the snippets on twitter of like the leafs practicing with music and all that right and everyone's poking fun and i mean i poked fun too but that's just because i'm a habs fan but if you look at it objectively what's keith gonna do like, like it was public knowledge like the kind of stuff that that team went through under babcock he's gonna try to come in and lift the spirits a little bit like i i i don't know yeah it's just it's, it's uh, you know what like I mean, it, it was good. I, I'll say this: it was good to see Keith come in. Like he, it it didn't seem to be so much. Oh, we're just gonna have fun. Like oh, like hockey's blah blah blah, and more of just like these guys need a bit of a break. They need to remember that the sport is fun. Um, the 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 kicker for all this is is when he came like when he did his interview, the first one he did, and he was like, "Oh, I knew I knew when uh, Lou left that I was get fired that I was getting fired." Yeah, sure. But you got fired a year and a half later. <laughs> yeah. After you. So yeah. so you so you just didn't do anything for a year and a half? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's it's a weird thing like, to say too cuz it's like you're a fucking coach. Of course you're going to get fired at some point. Yeah. Like anyway. every coach does. Anyway, we we've we've talked about Bob Babcock clearly and you know, I think we've made it clear how we feel on the subject. Um and I I hope the players that are playing under him in the University of Saskatchewan don't have to put up with the level of shit that players crossed out. Yeah. Um Tortorella. John Tortorella wants Patrick Laine to be a power forward. Uh, this is, you know, we've heard this before about Patrick Laine. Patrick Laine has heard this before about Patrick Laine. Um, Tortorella's quote was, I'd like to see Laine uh, go with the puck more. I envision him as an unbelievably skilled power forward, and I'd like to see him bring some power into his game, and that's skating with the puck, taking people on one-on-one. Uh, Aaron Portsline of The Athletic wrote in his article on the subject, Line didn't exactly seem enthralled with the idea when told of Tortorella's comment on Saturday. At best, he looked like a guy who'd heard the message too many times. I get it. It's not the first time I've heard that, Line said. Just try to do my job out there and maybe try, maybe try to be that power forward. I can do a lot of things on the ice. So yeah, not something new. Uh, the fit in Columbus isn't great. Uh, it wasn't great in Winnipeg. It doesn't seem to be great in, in Columbus. I don't know where I stand on this. I don't know if I, if I like, I feel like line is obviously accountable here too. Like, I think there's, there's, there's things that he is at fault for in these situations, but at the same time, like, are they taking the right approach with them? Like, I'm, I'm not sure. I felt like this trade was kind of destined to fail from the start. And I think a lot of people did. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's, it's just, you're sort of seeing it now and it's not like going up in flames, but like line is not producing. And he's gone six games without a point. Um, and he's incredibly talented and it seems to be going to waste again. Uh, and that was just, you know, it's interesting. I love the idea of him being a great power forward, but if he's not that player and he's not turning into that player, at what point is he going to find the situation where he fits, you know, in a, in a game plan? I don't know if you guys had so anything we, to say. We know he's but... not staying, right? Like he's, he's a free no, he's in the summer. He's not well, staying. Restricted, restricted, but yeah. But he'll find a way out. But yeah. what I, what... If he wants to get traded, he'll get traded. It's, it's, yeah, it's a question that I have for hockey in general. Why are we so obsessed with making him something he's not? Well, that's yeah. the thing. That's what I was yeah. He He is an elite scorer. He doesn't do anything else. Yeah. So build around that. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't get, like, I don't know, like, the whole power forward title, people kind of toss that around a little too loosely, and I don't really know where Torts is coming from with this guy. Like, like there are very few. There's, like, a handful of legitimate power forwards. Like, I can name two. Yeah. Yes. Anderson and Wilson. I can honestly I can name two. One's on yeah. the Habs and the other one's on the Capitals. That's yeah. those are the only two I can think of. And I was thinking the same guys. Yeah. Exactly. Like that that's my point, right? Like just because Lion is big and strong does not mean you need to mold his game into something that he clearly A maybe doesn't want to be, or B is just not he's just not gonna be that. You know how many times like everywhere we 
players in, in Montreal fall victim to this too. We're like, people just expect these guys to turn into things that they're not. Austin Matthews is 6'3", 220 pounds. Yeah, exactly. If someone was telling me he needs to be a power forward, I would punch them in the I'd mouth. i fucking laugh. Yeah. Like, leave, like, leave them alone. Like, especially guys like, okay, don't get me wrong. There are some guys in the NHL, or like, yeah, there are some guys in the NHL where you can look at them and say, you know what? You don't particularly excel in anything. So we're going to really try to turn you into like the most impactful player that you can be. Hey, the guy, like, don't be mean to Jimmy VC on this podcast. (laughs) You said his name, not me. But if you're going to take a guy like Patrick Lina, who's so clearly good at one thing in particular, like not even just so good, like one of the best. Why are you trying to mold him into something else? Just leave him alone. That's Torts, though. But you hear from players like LeCavalier and like St. Louis, like Dubois was saying this, that he had spoken to them uh, about Tortorella, and they were telling him that, like, you won't realize it necessarily at the time, but you realize later on when your career is over that he was really trying to get the best out of you. And I think yeah. there's something to be said about that. I I think to Torts' credit, he has changed his approach as the game has changed, which clearly Babcock has not done in a meaningful way or a necessary way. Um and I feel like towards like he really does ask for he demands a lot from his players and he demands that same level from everyone. And is that rigid? Yeah. Um, is it flawed? Maybe. Is it problematic for your team's ability to succeed? Yeah, especially in today's NHL. But yeah. I wanted to make it clear. Like I, I feel like Tortorella gets that reputation of being a guy that players just hate playing for, and I don't think that's necessarily completely fair. And I think he's not as uh, unfair on his players as the reputation uh, that he has says. Oh, but that's uh, just Anthony Stewart, who I don't agree with almost ever, but he's, <laughs> he, he says that um, if you go back and ask any player who played for torts, if he's a good man, they'll all say yes. Yeah. You won't, yeah. you won't get that with Babcock. Yeah, exactly. You can fight with someone and it'd be fine. Like I bring it back to the Leafs again, but apparently Dubas and Keefe, like they have yelling matches all the time. Oh yeah. Nice. You can do that and still think that's the right guy for the job. Cause he's not, mm crossing any lines you can right. demand a lot and not be a problem i mean chris the, look at you and i we yell at each other yeah that's right. well it's mostly me yelling at you yeah. <laughs> i just quit i just quiver in the corner <laughs> <laughs> all right we've yeah. covered enough on on line and towards last one uh for what's new around the league the helmet ads uh seem to be here to stay um I, we heard that i heard this anyway watching the game last night the habs game and it was elliot friedman was talking about it with jeff merrick and it appears that moving forward the helmet ads are going to continue to be on the helmets i personally don't give a shit like i look at the, the, the ads in the helmets and most of them look pretty good like i look I, I had the thought as i heard this and they showed some of these clips with the helmet ads of like kids growing up are not gonna like i wouldn't have questioned that for a second if i grew up seeing yeah. that like future yeah. generations, no, this, they will all. not even think yeah. about this. Like it looks, it looks fine. I really don't like. I don't understand the the hubbub about it. It's it's a little it, silly. I I don't even notice them. Yeah, I really yeah. don't. I, so, it's, like it's that's just, that's all you need to know about the helmet ads. Yeah, I that's my like take legitimately too. could not care less. Yeah, about same here. like they said there were going to be helmet ads. I thought, oh, like I don't hate them, but I'm sure I'm going to notice them. And then the season ended. The, the season started. Sorry. And a few games in, they zoomed in on one of the Habs players, and I was like, "Oh shit, they have a helmet ad!" Like, like to all the the people are freaking out about it, like, "Oh, like the integrity of the game." Splash, splash, splash. You got to remember that, like, people said the same thing when they put ads on boards. Yeah, everyone was freaking out about the ads on the boards, and now when you watch old time hockey, people are like, "Wow, it looks so weird with yeah, ads on exactly." Boards. Anyway, let's uh, let's move it on to some Habs and Leafs talk. Uh, the Habs 
are looking better. I mean, every game, it's been mixed results, uh, but every game they've looked better and better under Ducharme. Mm-hmm. Even the first 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 game with them, you know, like it, there was noticeable improvements. They last night was their best game they played in a while. Arguably, you could argue it was the best game they played this All year. All season, um, and you know they were dominating early on in the year. This was there's alterations to the game plan that I personally like. I feel like they're moving the puck with a lot more creativity. They're using a lot more deception when they have the puck, and that's really opening up lanes and offering them the opportunity to to use creativity in a way that they just didn't really have uh, under Julien. Um, and it's promising. Like I, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I really am. Um, Ty, how have you been feeling about uh, the Habs under Ducharme? They're fun to watch again. Yeah, which is wild, you know. And and like you said, uh, Spence, like they, they they just seem to have a little bit more creativity. Yeah. Um, to their game, their puck tr- retrieval seems a lot better. They seem a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's a small sample size, but since Absolutely. they since since he took over, well, since him and Burroughs took over, they have the. I mean. It's how many games, but they're first in power play. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, and we're talking about a power play that had zero goals in, I think, the previous five games of under Julien. Like, yeah, like that doesn't just, that's not just like, a, f- a switch that just, like, it's not like never they just mind. decided, oh. For sure, but just yeah. never mind the f- games with under Julien. Think about the years under Julien and Muller. Yeah, right? yeah, and Muller, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, again, like, like we said last time, like, how much of this is just them, you know, wanting to play for the new guys and how much of it is actually sustainable? We'll. See. we'll have to wait and see but um no they've looked good i also like the there's some line adjustments mid-game you know which which i'm not very used to seeing i'm kind of used to being able to predict what the Habs are going to do in any given situation but uh yeah i don't know they're they're fun to watch even like last night man like there was a there was a moment in the second period where they they lined up for for a a face-off in the offensive zone and it was after Sherrod had gone injured, so Romanov had bumped up, right? He was playing on the left, and Weber was playing on right. the right on the first pair. And for the faceoff, the two of them swapped. So Romanov was on the right, Weber was on the left. And they are placed in a way where Weber was way off to the left, like, prior to the faceoff. Basically, like, setting up, a, a like, a set piece for a one-time, right? Yeah. You never saw that under Julien. Like, no. that was never a thing. There was and, a like, rigidness and then, under and, Julien, yeah. It was so rigid and predictable, and then and then the center—I forget who the center was—but he got tossed, and then Weber and Romanov slotted back into their normal positions because it was no longer a viable play. And I was just like, "This is things we never saw before." Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's good. It's promising. Yeah, it's definitely promising. Obviously, I'm not you know over the. I still I worry about this team's ability to weather adversity and coaching changes. Mm-hmm. Often, like it's just like the mentality is it's a clean slate you know we get to start fresh mm. i worry moving forward like now that that syndrome or once that syndrome is passed i do still worry about their ability to to weather adversity because it has been you know years that this has been an issue with this core that being said i i'm obviously hoping that they do continue rolling and that they find their game and they continue to, to have success and that that's not the case mm. in the future um Sherratt getting hurt in the fight i mean i wanted to ask you guys uh briefly on this how did you feel about that fight I don't know if you saw it, Chris, but Ty. I don't know what was going on. I I, I saw it uh, before I went to bed. And I would just say, uh, if you're a coach and you're, I don't agree that he is, but I'm sure Habs fan thinks he's one of your better players. Why are you fighting? Yeah, I I don't know why. Yeah, go ahead, Ty. It made no sense. I I don't get it. They're just standing there. I I, I don't understand where... Have you have you guys seen that the clip going around of like the the, the ice guy for Vancouver busting his butt yeah. up and down the ice? I guess one of them was like I guess Sherratt told 
Miller that that guy skates better than him or something like that. I don't know, but like I don't know why. Like they're just standing there lining up to fight so, and then, uh, for the faceoff, and then they fought. And I was like, there's no point. There's ab- absolutely nothing that had happened up at the, up to that point. So well, I would said... I would take it farther and say it doesn't matter what the reason was. Why are you fighting? Period. Well, and like yeah. here's the thing too, right? Get like, someone else to do it. Get Jake yeah. Evans to fight. What happened? What, what, what do you care? If he's Jake Evans needs yeah, to protect his fucking noggin. Unless they have like actual blood. Unless there's something between the two of them. But like I don't know. So and like look, like I, I, I like I tweeted yesterday like. Like people could fuck off with the, like this grateful attitude that they have that he's hurt. Like, yeah, that's complete you bullshit. Not I think like this him. is the worst circumstances possible. Yeah, period. That this could have happened. Um, this is not how you want to get what you were hoping for, which is to have Sherrod mm-hmm. and Weber broken up. And I think it's a fucking callous, really nasty thing so to to feel for weak. the for the fan base to think that or to feel that. Um, as far as the fight goes, Weber did say afterwards that Miller challenged Sherrod to the fight, and Sherrod agreed. I will say that's from that angle, like fuck. that trade off. Sherrod for for Miller, I think oh, that's a decent yeah, trade. Oh yeah, you take it. Yeah, um, I don't have like so look like staged fights, and I to me that looked like a staged fight. Clearly, they don't happen often anymore, which I think is a very good thing. I don't have a problem with them happening happening on rare occasions, and by that token, like I don't have a problem with the fact that they did it last night. But this is just the reality. Like this is gonna happen sometimes when this you're in fights. And these they clocked each other. Right? They got some good <clears throat> blows, and there was one they both connected on each other like at the same time. And it like you could tell like it, it hobbled them a little bit. You know, like as long as fighting's in the game, this is going to be a risk. And yeah. we can argue all day about whether it's an important part of the game or it's necessary. It's not necessary, of course. We'd still have hockey without fighting as we've seen internationally. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 just one of those things where it's like as long as fighting's in the game, we're gonna be having these discussions and having these debates. Yeah. And well yeah. yeah. And I'm alright with fighting in the game. But it's just you no, know it's it's I like it too. I prefer when it's done for a reason, obviously. Like I, I think if fights like that, I'm I, I don't want to see them anything more than on, on very rare occasions. On, on the flip it, side, that's what I you employ say, a fourth line for. Well, that's, well, that's yeah, the thing, that's right? a fair point. Yeah, like don't trade Nick Delorier if that's what you want. But um, <laughs> this will give Mete a chance to slide in the lineup. Yeah, which is good. Something too. everyone's kind of wanted. And you know what? He is one of those young guys who's tr- still trying to find a, a place in the lineup. And you know, maybe having Ducharme at the helm with him coming in kind of helps. Like they, he's like Mete. I think spoken on it. KK spoken on it. Like the young guys do like playing for him mm-hmm. because he does kind of give them that like. This is nothing against Julian. It's not a knock against him. He's a tremendous coach, and I'm, and, I, and he did a great job with the team. But like, you did kind of get the sense with him that if the if the young guys like if the young guys screwed up, their leash was very short, right? Whereas we kind of get the sense with Ducharme, he's a little more willing to understand that part of molding these guys into everyday NHLers is that they're just gonna make mistakes every now and then. Yeah. You know, which as a young player can only make you feel more comfortable out there, knowing that, you know what, if I mess up, sure, I'll probably hear of it, but I might not spend the next two weeks up in the press box. Yeah. Or on the bench. Yeah. And I think, like, has Mete, did Mete play under Terry? I don't think he did. I think Mete was no. with Julien the entire time, right? So if, if he did play under Terry, it was for a brief period. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a fresh start for him. I'm excited yeah. to Plus, see what, what yeah. Ducharme can, can get out of him. Plus, like, Ducharme does, like, well, I mean, again, small sample size, but they do seem to be, play, be playing a bit more of, like, a, a puck control, yeah. quick style kind of hockey, and that fits right into Mete's hands. It like, does. that's exactly what he's for. He's fast. He he can move the puck. He, he's he, he's good at transition and all that. This is an ideal time for him to step up and show, yeah. like, no, like, I deserve a spot in the for top sure. six. And, like, go figure. Like, this system, 
benefits from having puck movers in the back end, I think anyway, and I, the Habs yeah. are lacking puck movers on the back end. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's a good opportunity. And if he can find his game again, and if he can sort of build himself back up under under a fresh slate, I mean, I'm all for it. I, I, I like Mete. I think he's got something to give to the team. It's just, you know, obviously his development has stagnated, you know, for a while. 100%. Um, Cole Caulfield, yeah, he just finished an incredible season. In the past, this is actually, I should credit this Ken McMillan from Fansided. In the past 10 college hockey seasons, the only players to score at a higher goals per game rate than Caulfield this season were Ryan Donato, who did it in his third year, Kyle Connor, who did it in his first year. By the way, go and look at Kyle Connor's hockey DB page <laughs> and look at that season as a draft plus one. It's insane. Johnny Gaudreau did it in his third year, and Austin Smith did it in his fourth. Going by points, the only players to have a better points per game in the past 10 years than Caulfield's 1.64 were Connor, Jack Eichel, Johnny Gaudreau, Gaudreau, and Kevin Hayes, who was in his fourth season and a linemate of Gaudreau's at the time. That's impressive. He had a great year. I'm excited to see what he can bring in the playoffs. I think uh, the playoffs are going to last only a couple days going into next week, and after that, I believe it's regionals. And then he may show up on the Montreal roster. What is your feeling? I've had some debates with a friend of mine about whether he should be in Laval or Montreal. My take is let him, you know, try him out in Montreal, see how he looks, and go from there. I, I would assume he would benefit from some time in Laval. But I'm open to seeing how he does in the NHL. How do you guys feel about that? Ty, what, where are you at on that? Boys, I'm so fired up that he's going to be joining the team soon. I cannot freaking wait to yeah. watch him play. I'm excited. Like, this is... This is, this is like, again, okay, trying to remain cautiously optimistic because you never really know with these guys, like, the same with any prospect, like, it's kind of, you don't know until you know kind of thing with them, like, how it's going to pan out, but, like, this guy, like, you know, for the longest time, people are saying, oh, he's a product of Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes left, and he had a better season. Yeah. You know, he plays on a team in Wisconsin that a lot of their best players ended up leaving, um, leaving school to like um, either join the pros in the NHL or the AHL, basically go down a different path. Yeah, they had Turcotte last year. Yeah, they had Turcotte. And like, basically, so he was left on the Wisconsin team that a lot of people were going to think, a lot of people thought we're going to take a big step back with a lot of big names leaving. And he just evolved his game to the point that he could become the guy on the team. He was no longer that one, not, not saying one dimensional, but like he was no longer known as simply the guy who scores goals. Like he's cleaned up his 200 foot game. He's proven that he's, he can pass the puck just yeah. as, well as he can shoot it. Um, and he's just, you know, like we're talking about a guy that like has broken some and tied some records of some of the best players in the, in the NHL at the moment. Like yeah. his goal scoring is again, at the level that he's playing at now is at a level that you very rarely, very, very rarely see. Like yeah. we're talking about a guy who broke a record set by Matthews and Kessel, like tied another one, uh, tied another record set by Ovechkin. Like that's not something that you should just be like, Oh, he's just another one of the prospects. Like this yeah. is a guy that you could legitimately see again, cautiously optimistic. Cause I've got my hopes up and crushed way too many times in the past, but like, there seems to be a different level of hype around this kid. Yeah, I, I, I look. I, I think one of the things that has me confident about his development and, and his future is that, like you said, he's really, really worked on the parts of his games that weren't. I don't think they were bad, but he, he really worked on the parts of his games that weren't up to the same level as like his goal store goal scoring, for instance. You know, yeah. so like 
Whereas you see, like we talked about Patrick Laine being very much a one-note playing. His course is like 42% this year. He's not helping the team on the ice. Caulfield seemed to be hell-bent on making sure that he wasn't going to be that kind of player. And as a, as a smaller player, I don't think he has the like the the leash to be to, to do to do that. And I think he understands that, and he's really come a long way with that. Um, and I do expect that he probably does need some time to, to season a bit. I would not be shocked in the least if he had to play in Laval. And I think Joel Bouchard is a great coach for him to play under. Uh, well, that's Chris... A... I would send Laval, see if he does well in Laval first, and then if he does, then maybe bring him to Montreal. Because let's be honest, he's not going to play every game. Yeah, There's no sense in letting him rot. He can definitely play on the first line in Laval if you want him to. I would do that and then bring him up after. That's Yeah, that's kind of good. what I'm expecting is going to be best for him. In, the, in what I've seen of him in college hockey, he looked uh, faster than he did at the World Juniors. For whatever reason, both years of the World Juniors, to me, he looked... Bad. He wasn't. It, what, he didn't look bad. He just looked so average. Like, yeah, but you like, you could also yeah you could ahead. also say that people like again like I I don't know much about that the the American junior team but like there was a lot of talk of people questioning his deployment and the, the yeah. way they were using him and the line mates they were giving him like he was on the first line I I, I I'm not gonna dash on the first line because he, he is though. he is an elite. I don't think scorer. he was on the like, first line. He wasn't That's all the way fine. through. Yeah. But he, but he lost his spot because yeah, he well, was definitely it. there in the first round. The onus is so, on the player to to earn their spot in the lineup, one hundred percent. But and for it, whatever one reason, t- one tournament, you go eh, two. That to me is a little a little more alarming for sure. But it doesn't like it, it, at the end of the day, it's not. We're not going to get that much from World Juniors. Um, to answer your first question, Spence, I think I would test him in the Habs. Yeah. Just just to, just to give him a, a sniff of it. I and mean, the Habs are kind of like yeah. say what you will, but the players that they have. But they're deep enough now that like you don't need to bank on it. If it doesn't work, yeah. you send them back down to Laval. There's no reason to, to to keep them up for for if 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 it's not working out. Like you I'm can send favor... him, you can afford sending them down. Yeah, I'm in favor in general of players like of his caliber. You know, prospects of his caliber getting a taste of the NHL, whether that's one game or five game or whatever the case. But just getting a taste so that they get to experience firsthand what level their game needs to be at. And from there, if he yeah. doesn't fit, like I I think send him to Laval. And let him season, let him let him marinate under Joel Bouchard, Joel Bouchard, well, and I'm good with that. On the bright side, at least Laval is not an absolute dumpster fire like it has yeah. been in the past little while. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It used to be like, like boot, like they've got a good thing going on down there. Like I wouldn't send him down. I when play when the Habs used to send players down to Laval, I used to think, ish, this isn't going to be good. But like they've got a good thing going now. Bouchard's proven that he he works well with the young guys. Like he's Kind of like, kind of like what Keith was in Toronto. Like he's supposed to be the next one um, to take the reins up here with the big club. So, like on the bright side, I am confident. If it doesn't work out in Montreal, I, I, I have no issue with sending him down because I think Laval's finally got a system. Um, it, you, it's, it's a lot better because, and I had said it on different occasions because it's one of the craziest things I've heard, mm. is that Montreal in the last fifteen years. Yeah has the least amount of prospects mm-hmm. played in the NHL. Which yeah. yeah. is that, that's not just a drafting thing, that's a development thing. 100%. But and I it, will and, say and it, and it just the Joel only guy Bouchard. they had that had played in the minors that made the NHL was Gallagher. Mm-hmm. That's it. Is he good? They, they used to be Pacioretty, but he played because of the lockout. So I like, will say it, like it, this they they have changed their approach to development and I think Joel Bouchard Absolutely. Is, is very very different from Sylvain Lefebvre and but that's a very they, good they point. Wrote that, that I'm going to give all the credit to that, they really did change that around. Yeah, no, they did. So, but that's been a that's big why, problem, like, again, sure. if if they every now and every time I hear a new prospect heading to Laval, I think, all right, good, good, this will do them some good. Yeah, 
I have no fear. Like, under Lefebvre, I was worried when guys were playing Laval. I did not have much confidence yeah. that they were going to turn into anything. Uh, and the best example sure. is the 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 best prospect in the last five, like the last years of Lefebvre's reign was your the best prospect was Lekkonen, who didn't play in the AHL at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that hopefully we're turning a corner there. Uh, the Leafs. Let's move on to the Leafs, Chris. Let's hear what you got to say on the Leafs right now. They're struggling a little bit, but they've built up a nice lead for themselves. Where are you standing on, on how they've been playing lately? I'm not going to freak out. They got goalied yeah. three times or twice in three games. And the, the one game they didn't get goalied, it was a back-to-back on a travel day. I mm-hmm. Like, it's really not a big deal. They, they've they they've um, built enough of a gap that they could sleepwalk to the playoffs yeah. now. Yeah. Like, that's not – I'm really not stressed about it. I, I would say – I was worried about Matthews playing because he has a he's still working on that wrist, yeah. and uh, it it looked the first few games that he was back that he really wasn't himself. Um, but they found a way to you know uh, switch him on the power play where he's in front of the net now because he can't shoot. Yeah, I saw that. Christ. And it worked. That's the kind of thing that good old Mike would never have tried, but Keith is able to play around with. Yeah. Does that worry my, you at all? Only... Does it worry you that they're Sorry? playing that they're playing him? When if the wrist injury is is like that at a level so, that he can't be the trigger man on the power play anymore, I, I I was worried and I was worried like, hey, if it's gonna get worse, like why don't you just sit in? We don't right. need the points right now. Like it's not a big deal, uh, and um, we're gonna trust Chris Johnson and Friedman because they're two of the most respected guys. Both of them are, uh, from what they gather, the injury can't get worse. It's just the kind of thing that needs a bit of time to heal. But right. playing is not making it worse. Okay. So if he wants to be out there, he's still good. He can still do other things. Then it's fine. If if he was in a situation where he like it was it was gonna get worse, I would have lost my absolute mind. But that doesn't seem like the Leafs' system right now. Like they're yeah, pretty good you know, at like the, the days where he couldn't play, they just let him sit, no questions asked. Uh, Thornton sat, no questions asked. Uh, Nylander, too has has been hurt, and they they have an eye out for it. And they said that you know if he needs a game, he'll get a game. And Freddie, they Freddie was hurt, and Jack Campbell uh, or Jack Campbell was hurt, and Freddie was dealing with like a soreness. They just sat him. So I, yeah. so I'm not super stressed about Matthews playing hurt right now. If it gets worse, then I'll be angry. That's but fair. it seems like it's the kind of thing that just a little sore. He'll be and fine. Being, he said it's feeling problem. better as we go on too. Yeah, that's good. Um, the PK has been really bad, but that's just the last three games. They have four PK goals against in five opportunities, which is mm. just terrible. It's not what you're looking for. And and it, it, it made me think a little bit about Freddie. We had talked before the season about, you know, that I trusted Freddie that in the last 10 years, the last five years, he's probably been a top 10 goalie. And then Steve Dangle brought up this thing in his last LFR that made me uh, really think about it. Hmm. If we were in the playoffs right now, could Demko steal the series for Vancouver? Yeah. I would say yes. I like Could Markstrom do it for Calgary? Yep. I would say yes. Could... Uh, Koskin and do it for Edmonton. Probably not. Like you never know. He's you got, never, he's but, got, like, but uh, I would I would lean on the no side. Yeah, but it's not. And then it made me think about Freddie, and I would probably put Freddie on the no side also. Bear in mind that you're very close to Freddie though, because I'm sure Edmonton fans would fucking scream at you for saying that Koskinen has more. You you have more faith in Koskinen in the playoffs than Freddie Anderson. You know, I'm sure they would die to have. No, no, Anderson no. Fre- Freddie is better than Koskinen. I got no problem yeah. saying that. At all. And I would take him in the playoffs uh, ten times out of ten personally. It's just, Mike Smith, baby. <laughs> it's just how many times. Um, then, I, then I started thinking about the little things that, you know, in each game, how many games has he stolen? And he hasn't stolen that many this year, but he no. has stolen one or two, which you need. 
and then when I, you know, when I had we had talked about price, I had talked about goals saved above the expected. And price is climbing that a little bit, not a whole lot, because the last three games he he hasn't had a lot of chances against. They've just played that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Leafs uh, are really playing much better defense this year, and Freddie is 61st out of 78 goalies in goal saved above expected. Now, if we want to do the math together, uh, there are only 31 teams. So he's like the second worst goalie that's played a lot of games. That's not ideal. No. Yeah, that's rough. That's fair. But, I mean, I will say that with Freddie Anderson, I mean, he's in a situation that the Leafs have done so well this year. Like you were saying, they get sleepwalked to the playoffs that he does have runway here to figure out his game and to, to get it back up to – you know, a high level. Um, and he's, he's been one of the most, aside from, you know, the playoff struggles, like last year wasn't a great year either, but he's been one of the most consistent goalies in the NHL, save for that. In, um, in 2018, he pulled his groin mm. and he hasn't been the same since. So I wonder how much of that has to play with it. So Could I'm be, not yeah. saying we need a new goalie. Like I, obviously if the Leafs can trade for John Gibson, fucking give me that all day. But like, I'm not saying that we need it, but maybe, you know, Jack Campbell's been really, really good. When he's healthy, maybe he gets a few runs. Like, gets a few runs of games. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think Freddie will be on the Leafs next year. His yeah. contract is up. He's going to ask for more than five. I He's not worth it. So what do you think happens gone. there? What do you think happens? Who, who do they go for a starting goalie? Do they maybe... Oh, I've got, put... I've got a, a bold like take on this, and it's That's not going to be popular. But That's I here. really think they're going to give Jack Campbell the first I was, gig. I was just going to ask. And sign James Reimer. Go the the Carolina. Uh, bring bring back right. Optimus Rhyme because he's been good in Carolina. He has. As as half a starter, he, is he a, plays well. Yeah, exactly. And he is like even when he was on the Leafs in those terrible, terrible teams, he was pretty decent. Yeah. I, I think the team is a lot better now than it was when he was there last time. I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if they brought him back. And then we could say without question, the Leafs would have the nicest human beings as a goaltending duo <laughs> in the history of the NHL. <laughs> That would be a hundred percent factual. You could yeah, not challenge that at all. Take all the wins you get. Yeah, so, exactly. I don't like you uh, said it would be a wild take or whatever. Or it's a bold take to say giving Campbell the opportunity. I mean, look, goaltending is. I've said it a million times, and I've heard this a million times, and I'm not the one who came up with it. But goaltending is voodoo, right? Like it's. It wouldn't be unheard of for Jack Campbell to step into a starting role and do well in it. Like goalies do weird shit all the time. Like Tim Thomas. Became he put up he put up one of the greatest seasons a goalie has had. He had a nine forty save percentage, and this guy started getting a starting job in like what his thirties. Like goaltending is just another thing. And and Jack Campbell yeah. for a time was like one of if not the top goalie prospects in hockey. And it was yeah. And then he just kind of rotted in the AHL for a bit, and he yeah. found his way back in in yeah. LA, and he's been good. But the the reason I'm saying it's a little bit controversial is I think he's only played 15 games for the Leafs. Like we're not talking about a lot of games, but he's yeah. been really really good in those 15 games. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs adopted a, hey, we're a contender now because mm-hmm. they are a contender. Yeah. What goalie gives us the best chance of winning tonight? And right now, I would probably say Jack Campbell. So maybe he gets a uh, what is what is uh, what do they call it? Uh, what have you done for me lately? Treatment. Yeah. You win. You go. You don't win. You don't go. Yeah. That's fair. But they do put it, them, it is it is a bold take, and they do put themselves in a bit of a precarious position if if they go with Campbell and they don't have. A backup plan, but I like the idea of bringing in someone like Reimer. You know, I think that could work. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I don't think I don't think it's out of the question that it happens. We'll talk about the trade deadline later, but I 
I don't think it's impossible that they trade for someone now. Yeah. Uh, then I wanted to say that um, JT is back. He's been really good. And William Nylander has been very, very good too. It just sucks that when they got good, Mar- uh, Matthews was hurt and Marner wasn't that great. So yeah. maybe one day we'll see them good at the same time. That would at, be really nice. At the same time, Hopefully glass half the playoffs. Full. Glass half full. How sweet is it to have a team with that many stars where it's like, well, two of them aren't playing great, but the other two are back and they're killing it. You know, like it makes up the difference. Yeah, it, it's it's the difference of star talent. It yeah, really is. Because uh, in it's... the games that Matthews can't break it open, well, Willie does. Yep. So exactly. That's 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 great. And okay. um, I wanted to highlight the defense as a whole have been really good. TJ Brody, better than expected. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many two-on-ones this guy has done the uh, – dive the uh, the l1 r1 block with the stick thing um <laughs> at least twice a game he's amazing at it. It, it it actually is really impressive because last year i watched cody cc and, and uh tyson berry try and do that and every single time it resulted in a goal uh this time it's great to know that when morgan riley pinches in a bad spot we have tj brody yeah and that's saying that's something that Brody's been better than expected because, like, he was he was expected to be to be good, like at his best. He was yep. expected to be very good, and he's he's done even better than that. And I think it, I'm I'm so happy to see that that he's succeeding in a market like Toronto after he got eaten alive by the media in Calgary, and like he had to fucking rise like a phoenix, like to to come back from that. You know, like it looked like his career was really taking a bad turn and he worked his way back to being a, the defense, a better defenseman than he'd ever been. And now he's, he's doing it in Toronto under a big microscope and he's killing it. So good for him. Tell me about Justin Hall. I want to hear some Hall news here. How's Justin Hall doing? The Justin Hall for Norris campaign has hit a snag. Mm. Okay. He hasn't been that great in the last four games. Uh, I think even the last game, he was demoted to the third pair for the last third period. I don't think that'll last. I'm pretty sure he'll be back on the second pair tonight. You know, even Norris caliber defendants have bad weeks. Jeff Petrie. <laughs> Jeff Petrie. Yeah, he'll be fine. Actually, that that's like jokes aside, like Jeff Petrie is on my Norris watch. He's been really, really He's good. He's been, yeah, uh, me too. He's been he is else. carrying Joel Edmondson. Joel yeah. Edmondson has a better, uh, has better underlying metrics than he's ever had by such an unsustainable amount margin. and it's strictly yeah. because he's playing with Jeff Petrie. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. 57% yeah. Corsi. Are you gig- like are you kidding me? Yeah. It's that's it's it's tough. It's Joel it's Edmonds. really good. Uh so yes, Justin Hall, he, let's not overreact. He'll be fine. He he will still be perhaps the second Norris trophy, like the second in the line for the Norris this year. Justin Hall, the uh, man, the myth, the legend. Obviously, and and Jack Campbell for the Vesna, even though he's played one game. There you go. It's fine. I'll tell you what, Chris. Everything about a cup. How's that? A well, it sounds like the Montreal Canadiens in our last in our lifetime. Jokes um, on you. We never win nice. awards, so. Huh. Yeah, take that. <laughs> Except, actually, you know what? I just want to touch on this quickly. We're not going to go too long on this, and I know we could because the subject is Carey Price. We didn't touch on Carey Price, and I want to do that very quickly. Uh, also, because he's you know the last Canadiens goalie who won like all of the awards or Canadiens player. Um, all of the. <laughs> he killed it. He swept that year. He could have been fucking everything. Um, well, it, it, sorry, just to interrupt. Who was yeah. it? I was listening to um, TSN Overdrive the other day, and they were talking to PJ Stock. Yeah. And they jumped on, and it was when Price was really struggling, and they were like talking about Price, and then they're like, one of them was, um, I think it was Hayes. He was like, he like brought up Price's reputation, and I guess like his past achievements and like pj stock dead straight was just like okay but like what are we really talking about what has he really uh, achieved in his career i'm like you're nuts 
Yeah. You're Buddy, it's crazy. Hockey. They, they talked about Joe Thornton being a failure because he hasn't oh. won a cup. It's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He's pretty much won everything except the Stanley yeah. Cup. You're crazy. The narrative anyway, sorry, surrounding players that can't, or sorry, quote unquote, can't <clears throat> win a cup are, is ridiculous. <clears throat> it's a joke. The amount of fucking... Every, like, every single oiler from the 80s in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. How many of those guys were actually good? Or how many of those guys just played famers, with Gretzky? Like, yeah. Probably the latter. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's uh yeah. There's a there's a way too much stink that's thrown at players. Like Ovechkin had that his entire career until he won the cup, and then all of a sudden everyone just shuts up and it's like, oh well, like they, no one has to answer for it. You can people say it all they want, they'll talk about how this player is a failure, he can't win, he can't get it done, then he wins and it's like, Oh, guess he won, we'll just shut up about it and never talk about it again. Like, no, you idiot. The you greatest goal scorer of all time didn't have a Stanley Cup yet, and everyone's like is he really good though? Yeah, like he doesn't he's have. Not a, shut selfish. the fuck up! He's the greatest sure goal scorer player? ever. Are you, are you sure he's not hurting the team by not exactly. blocking enough shots? You know, you're exactly. right. It, it's he. He doesn't make up. He doesn't block that shot, and the billion of goal, billions of goals he scores just yeah. doesn't doesn't. No, make but up Tyler, his plus minus. Oh my! <laughs> all right, stop, stop, stop. We're going on price quickly. Okay. He's playing better. He's looking better. Yes, I think, uh, especially a couple games ago, there he he is the first game against uh, Vancouver. Uh, he looked very very good, and he like I yeah, know like you said, Chris. He obviously the team was playing better in front of him, and he didn't have as many high danger uh, chances against. Um, but he he stepped up to the plate on a few occasions when he did, and he just looks he looks so much more comfortable in net right now, and he looks locked in. Yeah, no, he he's looked a lot better, like Chris said, and you just said Spence like. His workload hasn't exactly been they haven't excessive been yeah. recently. The the, yeah. the Habs have played well in front of him, but I mean, like even at that, like the knock on the knock on him at the start of the season was like he's not making like he's making all these big saves, but he's not he's always letting in these flubs. And if mm -hmm. the workload's not been that hard and he's still playing well, that means he's not letting in those flubs anymore, or yeah. at least for the time being, you know. Um, but no, he's looked good. He's deeper in his net which is good. He's got, you know, less distance to travel when he's trying to move lateral and stuff like that. Um, and like you said, Spence, he just looks like, he looks more comfortable in the net. He yeah. looks, right now, he looks the way Carey Price looks when he's at his best. Just yes. calm. He's standing up a lot, a lot longer than he used to. He's waiting for the shooter to make their move before he's reacting, which he's is kind of what his issue too. was at the start of the season was he was, yeah. he was biting too early and getting beat. And, you know, he, so he's standing up a, a lot longer. And, uh, you know, he just seems, like you said, to be tracking the puck a lot easier. And Carey Price, like every other goalie in the league, um, is at their best when they're reading the play. And it seemed like he was having a hard time tracking and keeping up with the puck at the start of the season. And it does seem like he's cleaned that up a little bit. Yeah. Again, like I, I, th I think you guys are a little more high on three games than I am. But Well, I just wanted to say, I wanted to just say this right now. Like, he looks... Very no, good. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm expecting him to be Carey Price of old right now. Like, I'm just saying, like, no, I'm, I'm a yeah. lot more confident moving forward, having seen... It's it's like a light switch. We've seen this before with yeah. him. It's like a friggin' light switch off. goes off. A lot of this is mental, and, like, we've seen it happen in the past, and yeah. he's just able to turn turn the switch. And, it, again, well, it's a problem that that's been happening, that the switch has been turned off so often and repeatedly, but... I, I don't know. I, well, I'm feeling a lot more confident about him. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, Chris, I completely agree with you. I'm not. I'm not saying any of this, like willing to bet the farm on him yeah, exactly. sustaining this for the rest of the season. It's just, you know what? He, You just need a game for it to start, and then you need a second, and then you need a third, and then, you know, it, it kind of snowballs from there. Again, will he continue on this path? No, but it's... 
I mean, it's he might. A start. Like, you got, you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah. I'm excited that he's looking better and that he does. Like, it always excites me when I see him looking like that in the net. But at the same time, it is, it's, it's not. It's been a very small sample size, so we're like going to give it time for sure. But I, I, my concerns have gone down big time. Like, I, I, I just by virtue of seeing this in the past, it seems like he's doing that thing that Carey Perez does. You know, where he, the light switch gets flipped and he's off to the races. All right, let's move on to some women's hockey. Uh, the NWHL playoffs are coming back on the 26th and 27th of March, and they're going to be televised on NBC. And that is the first time that they've ever had national coverage, I believe, right? Yeah, in, in, this, in the States, the NBCSN will be the first time. Because yeah. in Canada, Sportsnet used to have the CWHL. Yeah. So for the Americans, is the first time. Okay. And they'll be on Twitch for everyone else because we can't watch NBC here. Uh, one seed, Toronto. Remember, they finished first in their inaugural season in the bubble. And they're playing the fourth seed Boston Pride, who finished first last year. They'll play Friday the 26th at 5 is the first game. And then if the six win, they'll play again on Saturday. And both both semifinal games and the final are on TV. Yeah, cool. which is going to be amazing. Awesome to have that's a that's a great exposure i know they they reduced it to, to four teams from six which i guess was due to covid um well they they just the the two teams that didn't make the playoffs they just are not coming back for the bubble okay yeah so i mean that makes sense uh you mentioned that the toronto six and the boston pride are playing it's i just i'm, ex- I'm excited to see it because the six are so new right like they, they they've really started to figure it out through the playoffs but to go into you know potentially playing uh, or to go into playing the pride, like that's going to be a big, a big test for sure for them. So I'm excited to see. What, and what we had talked about how little, like there, there are very few roster players that actually have played in the NWHL exactly. before, even exactly. less that have made the playoffs. But uh, Cheyenne Darkangelo won the Isabel Cup in 2017. Okay. Actually, the game is being aired tonight on Twitch. Like they do, they've been doing oh, reruns. Nice. They're replaying it. Nice. So you can re- you can rewatch if you want uh, Darkangelo lifting the, the Isabel Cup tonight. Awesome. Uh, they do like the kind of same setup they had for like the actual games where they have like everyone in the Twitch chat uh, rewatching the game. And I think they give out like a prize or like a prize or two on Twitter during the games or whatever. Nice. They're, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun setup. They're games that I have seen, so I'm not going to rewatch them, but they are, it is cool that they are re airing them. And I'll be watching Friday and Saturday, and you can expect my wonderful post game recaps. Yes. Which are basically just a series of me uploading funny tweets about the game. <laughs> I'm excited to see uh, Bokvist and uh, Grant Mentis getting back at it again. Well, what, so what we need is we need the Isabel Cup to be lifted with those tiny hands. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be that would be the kicker. Here's hope. Um, yeah, and then uh, we talked about, I mentioned them briefly, but the PWHPA. So uh, they've had games the last two weekends um, uh, in New York. New York hosted them first. Uh, they played one game at the practice facility, and then on Sunday they played at MSG. Obviously, what a I don't know how to describe the the moment. Like it, I had I had written about um, the game, and I had had some people that I know who play hockey talk about the the impact it has on seeing for seeing women play on a, a official ice like that, and it not be the Olympics. Like what a what a difference it is, you know, to yeah. have like uh, pro coverage on TV and the, uh, the proper rinks and like proper replays, and obviously the ice surface is better just because it is the main rink at MSG. We're not talking about some like Lake Placid ice is good, but this is a different yeah, ball, the NHL game, yeah. rinks. Um, and then last weekend, they did it again in Chicago, uh, except they played Saturday at United Center, uh, hometown for uh, Kendall Coins Gofield, who you'll remember is the 
skills competition, right? So she so she finished one second behind McDavid in the uh, lap. Yeah, yeah. She's she's wicked fast, and and she obviously through through four games she has four goals, but probably about fifteen breakaways. I call it the uh, Ilya Mikheyev syndrome, where she has <laughs> she just can't convert on the breakaway either. She gets tripped, or she just completely bobbles the puck. But she does get quite a few of them. Uh, Hillary Knight's been good. Uh, she's my favorite player. Right? When she was at the Canadian, I used to watch the games just to see her, just because she's she's a hell of a talent. Yeah, she's got she's got a unique set. Like a she's massive and she's got really soft hands, and it's like a, it's a really nice uh, combination. Plus, she probably has the hardest shot in the entire league. Like I don't know if you guys watched the game at MSG, but she ripped an absolute one timer that. I I think would have gone. Yeah, I saw that. I saw anyone that. That was, like it's just oh, I saw unbelievable the shot. Yes. Yeah, that was a rip. So she's been good. Uh, Schofield's been good. They play together for for Minnesota, um, but Minnesota the standout talent so far has been Abby Rock. It's her it's her first year out of college, so she's it's her first year playing pro hockey. Obviously, this is not a paid league. This is a not a union. This is a association of players who want a different league than the NWHL. Yeah, um, and she's been she was really good. So she's got nine points in four games, something like that. But she's been. Head and shoulders above the competition for Minnesota. She's been really, really good. And then for New Hampshire, Brianna Decker and Amanda Kessel are the dynamic duo that we would all know. Uh, Brianna Decker is amazing. <laughs> amazing hockey player. Um, but you guys would have seen probably the Phil Kessel, uh, not the Phil Kessel, but Amanda Kessel highlight where she puts the puck through the player's legs and just gets robbed at the end. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, uh, yeah. She, she's been good. Uh Actually, what I want to talk to you guys about is, um, have you guys seen the way that they're counting points in the PWHPA, like standings points? No, I have not. No. So it's actually a concept that I think is really cool, and the NHL should try to do a format like that at some point. Um, so there are there are five chapters of the PWHPA. There's New Hampshire, Minnesota, and then there's Montreal, Toronto, Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal, Toronto, Calgary haven't played any games yet because they haven't gotten approvals, but I think they're working on playing, and I'm sure Toronto will host, Calgary will host, Montreal will host. They're usually pretty good for that. Uh, so, so far, only the Minnesota and New Hampshire chapters have played each other. Um, the standings points are you get two points for a win, one and a half points uh, for a win in overtime, one point for a loss in overtime, and zero points for a loss. Interesting. So that's that's that, that's cool. That's but what's more interesting is this part. So not only are there the, the points for wins and losses, but there's also if you score five goals in a game, you get a point in the standings. No way. Yeah, if you get a shutout, you get a point in the standings. If you score on the PK, a shorthanded goal, you get a point in the standings. And you get a goal if one of your players scores a hat trick. So in the first game, uh, it, it leads to, to really cool situations that you wouldn't see in regular hockey. So in the first game, it was 3 nothing, I think, most of the game. But uh, Minnesota kept pushing. No, sorry, that was the second game. But like, if you're up 3 nothing, you have to keep pushing because you want the extra point. And That's if you're really down cool. six nothing, you yeah. don't want to give them a shutout point, so you keep pushing anyways. So you don't get like the the fleeted the the deflated teams like like uh, done if, and yeah. If you guys watched like Ottawa yesterday, like they were down four nothing and they just stopped playing. Like it doesn't happen in these games. That's actually really cool. Yeah, that's, and like that's in the in the game on Saturday, uh, Abby Rock had uh, two goals on the night, and um, Minnesota was already on five goals, so they already had the extra point. But they were winning five nothing. You want that shutout also to keep your, you know, the extra points for you. So on a two on one, Coin Schofield forces a pass to Rock to get her the hat trick, 
but it backfires. They go back the other way, and New Hampshire scores. So not only did they not get the extra point for the hat trick, but they lost a point for the shutout. Oh shit! With like like probably like eight or nine seconds left in the game, like right right at the end, really really to just to piss like piss off Minnesota as much as you can. And I and I was I I was trying to put like in in words. It's hard to describe like exactly the difference in the gameplay, Mm -hmm. but um, little things like the PK like. Uh, Carolina does this, and I don't know if you guys watch much Carolina. I'm a huge Carolina guy. Uh, they play um, uh, Teravine and Aho on the penalty kill all the time. Yeah, and those aren't guys you'd want on the penalty kill usually because you want defensive forwards, or whatever. But or what they sure. offer you is yeah. a chance to be in the other zone the yeah. whole time. Yeah, because they can carry the puck at two. Yeah. So New Hampshire does that, where they have Decker and Kessel kill penalties together because they can carry the puck the other way, and you're not defending. You're, you're not defending on the penalty kill you're actually creating offense yeah and because it gives you an extra point in the standings you, you have like an extra incentive to do it that yeah way also it's a really interesting incentive system my, my initial reaction to hearing it was like oh i don't know if i like that but then thinking about it more like i can absolutely see how that would uh make the games yeah. better in general you know like it would absolutely give you more motivation and incentive to to keep the foot on the gas and be pushing for more production in various areas that's it's really interesting well especially because like like if you're I find the hardest one is to keep pushing for goals, even if you're down by yeah. a significant margin. But also, let's say you're losing, like you're losing a game, but you lose six five. Like, you know, you still get two points out of that game. Yeah. Or no, you only get one because well, you depending lost. Depending on how many goals. But, like, but if were, your guy gets, yeah. uh, sorry, if somebody on your team gets a, a hat trick, a hat trick exactly. then you've gained. Like you could, you could reasonably finish the game and still have the same amount of points in standings as the team that you beat. Yeah. I mean, in theory, could Which you is, actually have more? If you so you got a shorthanded goal and a hat trick, and so it you was could five goals. Yeah, you could like outscore the team who won. Uh, yeah, I think it would be like you'd have to win like six five in overtime. Yeah, like it'd have to be with, the ultimate bingo, but it could happen. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah you could. But That's it's sick. it's been a really interesting concept, and I'm I'm intrigued to see it play out uh, with the Canadian teams also. Uh, and so before we. Uh, close the segment. I just want to say there's a few things that we have to acknowledge. So um, the NWHL and PWHPA obviously don't agree on everything, and that's fine. Um, the NWHL did a lot of promotional stuff for the PWHPA in the last two weeks using the philosophy, and I think uh, Anya Packer actually like tweeted exactly like that, which was um, a rising tide lifts all ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PWHPA makes zero acknowledgments that the NWHL exists. Yeah, it's nasty. It's pretty contentious between. So the we're two. in a tough little like a, it's a tough little conundrum to 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 try and properly explain just because this is above our ability to tell them what to yeah. do. Uh, but like you know, as as great as the games at MSG were, where they had you know Billie Jean King was giving a speech about like how she wanted she helped them start their they keep calling it a union, but it's important that we say that it's not because it doesn't have everyone. Yeah. And there, there are little things that are like, like the, to, to give you a better example of like how neglected those players that actually do play in the NWHL are, because they're not uh, crossing a picket line. There is no strike. It's not the same ball game, but like yeah. USA, their national team is having camps and they're doing it the weekend of the NWHL playoffs. So you know that none of those women will be on the national team. Yeah. 
sucks. It's really and, there's some nastiness and, there. That's bad. It's it's tough because like you're in a tough spot because like Canada Canada also has its list and Michaela Grant get Mendes is not there, and she should be. Yeah. It's better for the like the way game. that like she's she's yeah. at another level for the. I understand that the majority of the of the better talent is in the PWHPA, but there are extraordinary players in the w, in WHL still, and they're not being given a chance at all. And for all the good that the PWHPA wants, the neglect of the other side is not ideal. I would have a different say if they were all t- like, if they were a proper union and everyone was there, then it's easier to say that. But it's not right now. So it's, just so you guys know, that's existing. Yeah, that's... It, no, it's I'm aware of it. It's a difficult situation because all this momentum that the women's game is is is, is gaining is is amazing, and the, the exposure that's coming is amazing. But at a certain point, this isn't like if this isn't resolved, it's just going to get uglier. Like I, I think like I, so, some teams have been able to like support both, but like there are NHL teams that are actively taking sides. Like yeah. Toronto has never once acknowledged the six. Yeah. And they're from the same city. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a and, lot of animosity. And Boston has between Boston leagues, has done right? both. You like, know, like they had cutouts yeah. at the at the at the bubble and they've also talked about the PWHPA. Like it's it's a like a, I want to clarify that I'm not telling them how to run their 100%, systems, yeah. but I I feel bad for some players that are being just completely ostracized because they want to keep playing in a league that exists. Yeah. Like I, I think Billie Jean King, who obviously is an icon, like actively chose to neglect that there is like, she, she literally said uh, there should be a league of six teams. Like there is. Mm-hmm. And you, you get a little dicey with some of the stuff. Like there are a lot more, people of color in the NWHL than there are in the PWHPA. Like there's a lot of layers to this Yeah, that I wouldn't want to touch with a 40 foot pole unless I knew a hundred percent everything behind the scenes. And I don't. Yeah. The one thing I will say is that I think ultimately this is not beneficial to growing the game. Um, and in the future, this is something that's going to need to be resolved. Uh, and hopefully in a, in a, positive way where there's a middle ground that's found but i don't think this is is conducive to progress i don't think you like both sides want a lot of the same things but they're not more powerful apart than they are together and that's my opinion anyway yeah. i feel like it'll become a problem yeah they, they, they'll, they'll, but i'm i think they'll find a common ground i hope so i'm not really worried do. about that but i i just i like both you know you don't want to pick sides For i like sure. both i just I'm gonna defend the NWHL here because they've gotten a bad rap in the last two weeks, and I and I don't think they deserve it either. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's transition out of this uh, deadline wish list. Chris for the Leafs, who's your deadline? Who's uh, on your deadline wish list? Uh, his name is Peter Forsberg. Peter and I Peter would give Forsberg. Up almost anyone to have him. Peter? Uh, Peter. Well, I mean, if I could have Peter Forsberg, I would take him. I mean, I but would I too. think I meant Philip Forsberg. I'm gonna um, say what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know that they've been looking at Forsberg, Ricard Raquel, who I like, Eric Stahl, who is my personal favorite hockey player of all time, uh, and Victor Arvidsson. Guy's got a big and, head. Eric any of those guys, <laughs> any of those guys, I will take. I want an extra forward, is what I'm saying. And I don't want a fourth liner. I want an impact type player. Um, I like <laughs> the idea of a goalie. I don't know what it would take, but maybe getting Reimer early because Carolina has 
uh, forgive me if I mispronounce his name, but Nedjelkovic. Mm-hmm. And um, he's played a lot of games this year because Marzik's been hurt and he's been good. And he's the future goalie. I think he's like 22. So I'm maybe Reimer is available. Um, in a perfect world, you can get John Gibson because Anaheim is rebuilding and he's not going to a like he's not going to be there at the same time as their core he's still young and like I, if i'm if i'm anaheim i'm not trading john gibson for anything but the farm like I, i'm i'm taking a lot for john gibson that ask is high if i'm anaheim i i would i would be willing to pay it if that makes any sense like that's like there's one of the best goals the, in the value world. is good enough because yeah. he signed for another few years so you have the cap control and on a team like the leafs it's really important i'm not saying the leafs are getting gibson it's a wish list. Um, and I like the idea of Ekholm, who I've heard they've tried to go after too. Uh, but Ekholm would probably cost you quite a bit also. And you get a certain amount of resources. But like like the way that I see it, like if there was ever an opportunity for the Leafs to push, it's now. They'll never have an easier window. No offense to Canada, but... Like this is the window. Yep. Also, stay away from Ekholm. Okay, he's on our wish list. You take your own stuff. Okay. <laughs> for me, for the Habs, like I, I my wish list is I, I think a puck moving defenseman uh, would go a long, long way on this team, um, and ideally one that's a little more impactful than someone like Victor Mete. And no disrespect to him, and hopefully he he finds a way to become more. You impactful. have one. His name is Brett Kulak. That's true. Yeah, Brett Kulak is good. But even then, like I would, I would love to see them get, you know, like an Ekholm or a Fowler or a Lindholm. That being said, this is a very, 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 very high. Like it's, it's, it's very unlikely to happen. The, the. Which are we talking about, Hampus Lindholm? Yes. If he was on a pair with Shea Weber, you would never score on that pair ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. The the only thing he has trouble with is in front of the net, but he's great on transition. He's really good at defending the blue line because he can skate really well. Literally all the things Weber can't do, he could. Yeah, that is a really good idea. Yeah, I'm I in. Adore, but again, like Hamp- Anaheim knows how good Hampus Lindholm is. Okay, Anaheim's been struggling for you know they're they're going through the rebuild, and obviously he's not getting the attention that he would if they were a good team. But he's been. I mean, even when their D was stacked to hell, like he was still the best defenseman on that team. So like he's, he, it would not be an easy thing to get. I'm not expecting them to get any of these guys, but man, I would love it. I feel like just the, the Edmondson signing, I feel like as much as the Edmondson's playing as better than you could possibly expect from him. Okay. And they, yeah, like Petrie's carrying him, but Edmondson is, is playing as well as can be expected for now. in this portion of the first year of his contract, I would have really preferred if they'd gotten a puck moving defenseman um, over Edmondson personally. Uh, aside from that, I mean, I'd love to see an elite forward on the team, you know, get some of that elite talent you're always talking about over in fucking Toronto there. Uh, but that's also not going to happen. Um, yeah. Ty, what are you looking at? Jack Eichel, baby. <laughs> no, um, that's off-season moves. But no, I'm uh, I'm with you, Spence. Somebody to play the left side on the blue line. Mm-hmm. But like you said, like there's defensemen are a hard thing to come by in a good year. Yeah. Um, and now with you know the with COVID and the protocols and the quarantine and all that, it's it's gonna be nearly I wouldn't say impossible, but it's gonna be extremely to. difficult to find one. But I'm with you 100%. I, I look the thing is like Sherratt's fine, and Chris, I don't know if you could back me up on this. I think he overachieved last year. He's good, yes, I mean, but yeah. he overachieved yes. last year. Absolutely, he's average. Uh, he's average. Uh, he's better than people thought when he got here, but I do think 
You know, he's not ideally on your first pair. Edmondson's good. I, I'm with you. Spends 100%. I think he gets a lot of crap for absolutely no reason. Even if he's like, even if he's only just as good as he is because he's with Petrie, that's hockey sometimes. Sometimes it's just who your line mates are that make you. That it's it's not the end of the world. If he's playing well, he's playing well. Um, but it's just again like, I'd like to see somebody slide into that top pair um, yeah. if they can get somebody. Um, it's just again outside of Ekholm. And then the couple guys that you guys named, I really don't know uh, who else is really available around the league. Do we think there are going to be deals between contending teams in the North because of the restrictions of travel? I don't know. Um, like See, you mentioned like, with, with Friedman and Johnson, like saying that teams aside from the Leafs don't appear to be looking elsewhere. So like the, the names that I've listed here, like uh, they're this probably like they're just not even looking in that department, you know, like if they are looking within division, I'm sure they'll be making calls. I'm sure they're willing to make deals, but will they happen? I mean, shit, it's very hard to trade within your division under normal circumstances. I don't know. And now, well, it's yeah. it's because we have to think of it this way. And, and when I saw it read, like listed out loud, I realized how much more complicated it is because you're probably tra- trading a player off your roster right away, yeah. right? Yeah. And then that guy's gone for two weeks, but you don't get the other guy for two weeks. And that guy is on your salary cap. Like you can't even IR him. Mm-hmm. So he has to fit properly and within the prorated a lot of hoops. salary cap. Yeah. Like there's like an extra layer of like complication. Obviously the, the guys that work there, they, they know what they're doing. So it's not impossible, but, but GMs like to find excuse. Yeah. GMs like to find excuses not to make trades because their job is super hard. Yeah. That's a, I'm, like, it's it, not, it's not true, but it's, it would, have see to, it. it would have to be the, perfect kind of deal that works for both sides unless you're t- unless you're talking about i mean obviously that's the case you would have you want it it's always got to work for both sides from each side's perspective but in this case like especially if you're talking about two teams that are in the playoff hunt i mean like it needs to be the perfect trade for both because like the jets did it right so yeah. like, like it's it's happened but they didn't trade it's with the division it, they traded for uh no but they, but they but they traded outside and waited for the two weeks so yeah, but that like, was earlier on though like that's that's what I, that's that's what i was gonna say so do we think that window is over no, I don't think it's over. I think I wonder. I wonder if teams start making trades. Like I know that Dubis likes to trade before the deadline. Yeah, Muzzin, Campbell—they're all two, three weeks before the deadline. Yeah, and the deadline this week is this year is April twelfth. So, we could be looking at trades like next Very week. Soon, yeah. yeah, which I'm excited yeah. for and I'm here for and I'm looking forward to, to seeing if they happen. I'm I'm not going to get my hopes up much like every year, even normal years where you know deadline. Approaches best approaches to just not have your hopes up whatsoever because the deadline's very hit or miss and it's usually miss. But I'm here's hoping, you know, I, I love seeing trades and we're hoping that's going to happen. All right, uh, guys, hey, look, another episode down. It's been real. Uh, love talking to you guys. I tell you this every uh, every episode. Looking forward to talking to you guys next time. Thank you to everyone who listened. And uh, I love talking to you too, Spence. Hey, Tyler, yes. eat shit. Thank you. You guys are all right. <laughs> I have other friends, so you know, yeah, I, just I think can't about say that. I, I really yeah, can't say I this. I know you can't. I know you can. All Two right. of the seven people you know are right here right now. Speaking yeah, of your friends, <laughs> speaking of your friends, let's talk about Twitter. Okay. Um, you can find me on Twitter at HockeyOMC. Ty? Uh, you can find me at Twitter, at Twitter, on Twitter at Tyler O'Connor95. Chris? And you can find me at, at Twitter uh, or on Twitter, but you probably don't, at Chris6 or 7. Beautiful. All right. Yes, sir. Hey, stay healthy, everybody. <laughs>